I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Well, welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. This is our listener feedback show for Dune, the David Lynch film. And boy, do we have tons of listener feedback tonight to share with you. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hartzog. I'm David Moulton. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And we are glad that you are joining us tonight to talk about, wow, you guys had a lot of things to say. You guys and gals, I should say, had a lot of things to say about this movie. And, uh, man, they were dropping in all sides of this movie, right? Some liked it. Some didn't. There were parts liked. Isn't that kind of your take yeah. on it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Lots and lots of people had something to say about this. Yep, yep. If you are tuning in and you have not contributed and you want to contribute to this uh, listener feedback episode, you can always do so. We love audio feedback. You can call in at 1-260-577-CHAT. And that's 1-260-577-2428. But the easier way to contact the show now is we have an app that we are a part of. And that app is called the Zog Pod Collective. It's a collection of podcasts that I am a part of. And uh, so you'll find the Sci-Fi Diner. You'll find Haiti and Focus. You'll find Podcast and Gear Show. But you will find the Dune Saga podcast there. And that phone number goes to all those shows. And you just need to call in and say, hey, I'm calling for the Dune Saga podcast. Holla, yo. And, uh, <laughs> and we will respond and share that feedback on the show. And you can always email us at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com as well if you are not comfortable hearing your voice on air and we're totally cool with that but the app is called the zog pod collective the z-o-g-p-o-d collective and it can be found on any of the app stores so android and amazon uh, itunes it's there and it's free i think i know it's free at least in the itunes store and i really need to check whether it's free in the other stores it's not more than 99 cents on the other so it's a small way that you can i guess support uh our efforts here as we're podcasting mm -hmm. but so that's the app anything else you need to say about the app uh, no, but I just want to also make a comment. If you're into listening to these kind of things live, we do record live and there is a chat room where you can interact with us and yeah. other, uh, listeners in there. So, uh, you can find that at dunesagapodcast.com slash live when we record. So there's a calendar on the Dunesaga podcast website that lets you know what time and what day we're looking at 
recording. You know, sometimes that changes, so just kind of keep up to date with it. Uh, we also post on all of our social media when we're getting close to recording as well. Yeah. Uh, so lots of great ways to interact with us. Um, yeah. that, I mean, that's cool because you get instant feedback yeah. right there. What, what's cool about the, with the app, back to the app just a little bit, it'd be great if we could stream right to the app, wouldn't it? I don't, oh, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think the app does that, but you can call in, like you just hit a button and if she dials the number, you don't even, the number I gave you at the beginning, you don't even need to remember that number. Wow. So that's, that's even better. Yeah. Well, let's jump. Right into this. We got tons of the feedback. And my understanding is we often do these bad reviews. We aren't doing that because it's a movie, right? We we got enough reviews from you folks that we don't need to be touching those. Correct. Correct. So So, uh, just going in, we had a contest running last the month, and it was for people who made comments on iTunes. Uh, And we had – it was for new comments and old, old comments. You just had to let us know. By email that you had um, commented, and Ryan White won. That's the name, correct? Yep, I believe so. Yep, Ryan White won Dune Messiah uh, hardcover copy. And did so, he give us his address? Not yet. Nope. So, Ryan, you're out there. Please email us your address. We'll try to email you as well. You have his email. Yeah, I've right? got his email. So, okay. we'll we email you as well. But if you can get you, get us your address, we will send that book right over to you yeah and uh there is another another contest we've i've got hardcover of children of dune to, to give away so this time i'm gonna say all you have to do is email or actually submit feedback in any way for our next episode which is on paul of dune and you'll be entered into the drawing then we'll draw randomly and who gets the uh, copy. It doesn't matter if you own it already. All you have to do is be in the continental U.S. Uh, that's the only only thing because shipping abroad is way too expensive. Right. <laughs> so jumping right into our, our feedback then, we have a call from Ben from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, let's hear what he why has don't, to Why say. don't we go ahead and play that call? Yeah. Hey, fellas. Ben from Birmingham, Alabama, calling for the Dune Saga podcast. I wanted to uh, give you guys a couple quick pieces of information. There's been a lot of talk about Orange Catholic Bible. I will tell you, no spoilers, but um, it is covered in um, the school books uh, briefly. Get a little bit more feedback, background on that. I know that's been a kind of a topic of discussion. And then uh, I just got done listening to the listener feedback on House Carino. And there were some questions about what happens to House Hernius. And uh, I can tell you that there is some background given, some flashbacks through the Paula Dune um, book that gives a little bit more light to, uh, to that particular storyline. So um, hopefully those answers will be, those questions will be answered um, in the next few months. So um, I love what you guys are doing. I love the podcast fun to listen to. Um, it's good to know that there are other people asking some of the same questions that I have been. I've been reading Dune for uh, probably 10 or 15 years now. I read it first when I was 16, and I'm going back through the books with you guys right now, and um, it's very exciting to kind of have a, a pool of other uh, other people to uh, chime in on some of the same questions that I've got. So keep up the great work, and uh, love to get that hardback copy. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben, thank you for calling in, and we're glad you're on this journey with us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, 
You're a little late for the uh, the hardcover contest that was uh, back two months ago yeah. that we ran that. But um, we should put him in for the next yeah, one. We'll definitely. Just, we'll put you in for the next one, Ben. Yeah, definitely. So Since, uh, anything he's saying that kind of stands out to you, Jim, David? I'll, I'll chime in here then. Uh, why don't you go first, Jim? Okay. Well, I uh, – I was uh, very glad to hear that we're going to hear more about what happens to House Vernius yeah. uh, in the next book. I, I appreciate knowing that and not knowing exactly what is going to happen. So yeah, I did. I did start the book and already, like in the, I'm probably like two hours in, and within those two hours, we already have some mention of X and in House Vernius. Oh, cool. So we early on, there's just a brief mention. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we're going to get some more background to the Orange Catholic Bible in the school books, which we, of course, if you're, these are the only books we aren't really doing chronologically. Yeah. Because of, well, we want to kind of read them all together. Right. Since they are a trilogy, it just makes yeah. sense. Uh, but I think that's really cool that the, to find out that information. Uh, yeah, that, absolutely. Know, and we'll get there eventually. Yeah. But I think for me, I just like hearing that somebody's reading along with us and enjoying this journey. Absolutely, so. Dave looked across the way. We both had smiles on our face when you got when you said that. Ben, we we like that people are going this journey with us because you know, this is kind of the first time for me reading these books. David, you read most of these books before, mm-hmm. and Jim, this is uh, some of these books are first time for you as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so some of you I know have been through this journey before, but uh, we're glad that you are honest. On with us this time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim, why don't you uh, read that uh, uh, email from Roland Smoker? Now, Roland actually wrote twice in, he wrote once prior to seeing David Lynch's Dune, and then he wrote in after. So you are actually reading the one that he was kind of anticipating before he saw it. So we're going to share this first. Go ahead, Jim. Okay. So Roland says, The following email was composed before viewing Dune 1984 movie. I have yet to see Dune on film and wanted to gather my thoughts and expectations beforehand. Seeing as once I see the movie, I won't be able to think about my expectation in the same way. I made a list of scenes I'd like to see on the film. I realize they may not all make this movie and a list of things I'm curious about uh, how they do on the film. Also, since this is an '80s movie, I expect a lot of mullets. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> let's let's stop right there just for a okay. second. Lots of mullets. <laughs> you know, you want to see Patrick Stewart with a mullet. Yeah, there's no other way around it. And you get it. And you you get it. Yeah. Um, uh, what I like uh, what he's doing is he is not watching this movie. He's going in and he's setting he's setting up some expectations for himself. Mm-hmm. And he's right. Once you see any movie, you can't go and see it. Mm-hmm. So I really like that he did this. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I do too. Let's hear his list. Yeah, J- J- Jim, go ahead. Continue with the list. Okay. Well, I just want to throw in. What about the Sardaukar with the backwards mohawks? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. That. <laughs> okay. So Roland says scenes I'm looking forward to possibly seeing on the film: Paul's Gomjabar test, the hunter seeker assassination attempt on Paul. Leto saving the miners from the spice factory operation from a worm. The poison gas tooth assassination attempt on the Baron. Paul and Jessica's escape from the Harkonnens in the sandstorm. 
the water of life ceremony, especially how it affected Aliyah in the womb, Paul's first ride of a worm, and the Fremen's attack on the emperor's encampment, and finally he says, Paul's duel with Fade Rautha. Okay. And then it says, next things I wonder how they'll do on the film. Personal shields. How will they show a personal shield surrounding a person without it being distracting? They won't. Steel suits. <laughs> the steel suits cover the mouth, but the covering the face is typically avoided on the film. Walking on the sand in a non-rhythmic pattern. I think this will look awkward on the film. Characters' personal thoughts, especially Yui's. Gurney Halleck's Inkvine scar, and Paul's visions. How they will show? How will they show the visions, or just mention that he has them? Yeah. Hmm. So uh, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, he might answer this a little bit later on, but let's talk a little bit about this list. He yeah. hits. I mean, he hits everything that's in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just want to point out water of life ceremony and how it affects Alia. That was a gross scene for me to see yeah. the like special effect baby in the womb, like crawling around or, you know, squirming. Yeah, it was. That was gross. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the character's personal thoughts? Because they do have this little voiceover going as the character standing there about yeah. his thoughts. And that's kind of a little bit odd. It's hard to follow. Yeah. Especially when you don't like some of it. I could be wrong, but I feel like there's at least one point where you hear the character's inner thoughts before they even talk, and it's kind of like, who's speaking? Don't you right see it with, don't, don't you see with Lita? Lita, you see it with uh, Yui, and mm-hmm. even Paul, you see it with, and, especially uh, and Jessica, and the Reverend Mother. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Mahayam. yeah. Uh, what do you think of Paul's visions? We didn't talk about this in the last show. What do you think of his visions? He looks into the place that Bene Gesserit cannot go. Yeah. Jim, what do you think? I, I, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think they were as good as they could have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the personal shields were definitely distracting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what are you going to do in the 80s when you're trying to show a personal shield? Uh, but it just didn't look. Right. It didn't yeah. look. It didn't look good, especially since. Well, you can't really compare it to the books. I mean, so no. much. Of it, so, I was but. thinking what they did when I saw that scene. Saying, well, what did they do in Star Wars when, like, the Death Star had a shield around it? They just they just treated it as being there. You didn't see it. Right. They just assumed it was there. But I don't know how you would do that with a personal shield quite as easily. I know in the uh, miniseries, it's just like a fuzz around them that you don't really see. But when you hit it, it like distorts the air. Right. Which I think is probably a better hmm. representation of it. Yeah. Gurney's Inkvine Scar. Oh, yeah. Uh, Does Patrick even have it? He's got a scar on his cheek, doesn't no. he? No. No? I didn't. Yeah. It's certainly nothing like no. I, when I picture the Inkvine Scar, it's a prominent scar that you can't miss. I mean, yeah. there's always mention of it, and nothing is nothing is really marring that beautiful face of Patrick Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> Who would ever dare? I know. I mean, after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I'm going to move on, and I've got Roland's response after seeing the film. So let's see what he has to say here. Uh, he says, in regards to David Lynch's Dune, wow, this film was awful. How do you really feel? How do you feel? You really feel, Roland? I mean, yeah, you're 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 being too obscure. Just try, <laughs> just spell it out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. 
I feel they tried to be too loyal to the book while at the same time diverging greatly from it at certain times. The beginning of the movie wasn't too bad, but it certainly went downhill well before the end. I give it a one out of five stars. He was much harsher than we were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mind a couple of the scenes I was looking for. The Gamjabar test and Leto saving the mining factory. However, most of the movie was ridiculous, and I still laugh when I think of Paul's worm ride. The music at two minutes and two seconds in this video. Uh, some of the things I was wondering how they were going to do in the film completely failed, and the personal shields, the way they did, inv- and the way they did individual thoughts. However, I will say they did a good job with the still suits. Well, let's just take a moment and listen to the audio that he's speaking about. So this will be a three-minute clip from the film when. Paul is riding the world. Yeah. So this is the music he's talking about. These are 15 of our finest warriors. That that pretty well does it. Yeah. (laughs) It just, it's got this, this like, actually pretty decent, like, score of of, uh, classical-ish music, like, really pounding you up to what's happening. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I'm walking into, like, a Trans-Siberian Orchestra set. (laughs) And I do like Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but you expect that when you're listening to them. Yeah. Yeah. So... Wow, Jim. Thoughts in the music here? Yeah, I I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was good. Yeah, I, that it's I just, would it's just I would guitarist. love to direct this score. Oh yeah, it would be a great. That would be a great. It'd be great to have a kind of a band classical type thing going on, and then mm-hmm. bringing the electric guitars in. That would be fun to see done live. It was. It was I think it was. I think mm-hmm. it was with the sandworm and. Paul on top, and he's looking longingly into Stilgar's eyes, and then they, <laughs> they're riding off into the sunset. I know that when it happened, I had the pleasure of sitting next to uh, <laughs> Roland, and the two of us were just like, <laughs> the looks on their faces as soon as the music starts, it's just like, it was too much to handle. But you know what? It, it, it does It does sound pretty good when you talk about it in the big theater. I mean, yeah. so... Yeah. So... Anyways, he did have some. He did have some further thoughts on uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Do you want to read them? Yeah, sure. Uh, on to uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, uh, which he also saw with us. Uh, he said, "I like Jodorowsky's idea about starting the movie off with a pirate spaceship attacking a spice carrier. While not from the books, I think this would be excellent way to start off a story whose beginning isn't very action packed." However, he struck it's he struck me as very stubborn when he was asking studios for fifteen million dollars. It sounded as though Jodorowsky was unwilling to budge an inch while at the same time expecting them to hand him what is a huge sum of money. Also, I'm not completely convinced the movie would have turned out well. 
But but okay, David Lynch is forty two million versus fifteen million. Yeah, I mean we're talking about it, even if the movie wouldn't have turned out well, you right. still it, it would probably made back at fifteen million. Right now, I kind of wonder: is that forty two million including the money that they preliminary invested in uh, Yodorowsky's Dune? Yeah, you know, like does it include that? With the money they paid them for the two years of trying to put it together. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It is it's hard, hard to, to say. say. Well, Roland did join us in the chat room. He said he just felt it was out of place for the movie. For it, him. it really was. I, <laughs> that was one of the most enjoyable moments. Laughing at that and laughing at Sting stepping out of the shower together uh, <laughs> was just like perfect for me. With, with the count flying maniacally around him <laughs> yeah. and laughing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Jim, why don't you go ahead and read uh, what uh, the, our next uh, listener wrote in? Yeah. Donal Behan. I hope I said that right. Uh, gentlemen, as promised, I tried to keep it brief as I'm cons- cognizant of <laughs> time for your podcast should you choose to use it. I also included, out of vanity, a couple of pictures. I bought copies of the comic books released in relation to the movie, and excuse me, I had them mounted and so are displayed alongside my Blade Runner and Star Trek comics, which are also framed. I also purchased some movie stills, and I also had those mounted. Pure geekdom, but what the hell. (laughs) Uh, I've also included a picture of my book collection, No Dune First Edition, first printing as of yet, but one can hope. I do have a first, uh, first first of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I really love. Anyway, guys, I really enjoy the shows. I didn't get in at the get-go, but you join me and the dogs on our morning walks. Right. So that's the first part of his email. He actually gives a pretty thorough review in just a second here. But let's talk about the pictures. I know that we'll have to kind of describe them here. Uh, Comic books, they're framed. Look at them. Yeah. Now, uh, we did mm-hmm. post these pictures on our Facebook page in, oh. our, in our collections album. So if anyone else has anything they want to share, uh, if you post to the Facebook page or email to dunesagapodcast at gmail.com, we'll post it in our uh, collections album. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a good way to do it. Jim, why don't you go ahead and read uh, his uh, reaction to the David Lynch Dune? Gentlemen, I should first point out that my initial introduction to the Dune universe was by way of Lynch's film. I would have been no older than 18 when I would have first seen a VHS copy of the movie, as I have yet, or as of yet, I have never seen it on the big screen. I loved the movie and sought the book out at my local library. I must admit to to many a moment with my brow pursed in confusion as to what I had seen on the VHS tape and what I was now reading. While the film does follow the book, some license was obviously taken for entertainment value. I was lucky enough to be raised in a home where reading was not only encouraged, but my father was a writer, so a love of reading has always been part of my life. I have always considered that the written word surpasses the visual. Some film adaptations come close, but the beauty of the book for me is the images created by the reader themselves. Anyway, to the different versions of the film, I have at home in my parents somewhere a VHS copy on a shelf beside my VHS copy of Blade Runner, 
which, considering I no longer have a VHS player, might just continue to gather dust for the foreseeable future. (laughs) I have three different DVDs, one of which is a special television version. I also have the widescreen special edition, which is the cinema release with some extras on a second disc. I have only recently bought the Blu-ray version, which, again, is a theatrical version. It is this release which I understand is the one you will be reviewing for the podcast. So I will attempt to give you a rundown on the differences between both. The television version does not carry the Lynch name. Rather, it is a film by Alan Smithy. It has a longer introduction giving a history lesson of Dune Universe, which you should see. It describes the human uprising against the thinking machines. It also mentions the schools, which are the subject of the latest novels. This opening would remind you of a Saturday morning TV show from the 70s. Cheap, but it's interesting nonetheless. The opening monologue by the Princess Irulan in the cinema release is my preferred choice. It can be heard in the background on Paul's view screen when Gurney, Yui, and Thufer walk in on him. As the, this in this version, it is shown in four by three for small TV screen, and so some of these scenes appear to be corrupted at the edges, which indeed they are when you do see the cinema release. There is the unusual TV background music soundtrack running during the movie. Think Saturday morning show again. Now, because this is a TV version, some of the harder scenes have been cut even though it is a longer version than the cinema release. For instance, the heart plug scene with the Baron is missing. Every so often, a voiceover gives us a rundown of the characters who we meet for the first time or fills in with some background to the political situation. The actual picture quality is very poor when compared to today's HD standards and the blue eyes are missing in some scenes. Our first meeting with the Fremen is disconcerting as they are not wearing still suits, even though they are in what appears to be open desert. Patrick Stewart gives a typical Royal Shakespeare performance in the first council meeting after landing on Arrakis, and we see him play the Balisset, which are missing from your cut. Again, if possible, do watch them. It is during some of these scenes that the TV soundtrack distracts from the movie. There is a nice scene when Jessica is shown a Chris knife by the chambermaid, but no blood is drawn yet. The blade did not shatter. The scene where Paul's fights, where Paul fights and kills Ephremen is nice, and we see his family, who Paul must now care for, having received his water. The lack of the blue eyes is really noticeable here. It is around here that I dislike this version of Jessica, She is hysterical and seems to have forgotten her training. One thing I've always thought as hypocritical for her is the comment that a thousand deaths are not enough for Yui. Yet she is the one who had a boy child when instructed to have a girl. After thousands of years of genetic manipulation, she risks it all to please her duke. Kettle calling the pot black, Jessica. There are some nice interactions between Paul and Stilgar around this part of the movie. You get a sense of the relationship that will evolve between them. There are some doublings of scenes used earlier in the film with little extras of the Friendman running. 
The final climatic scenes run pretty much as the theater version. I would recommend watching the introduction for curiosity value and the Patrick Stewart scenes because it's him. (laughs) The scene where Jamis's water is given to Paul is nice, too. So the $64,000 question, uh, which version is best? The Blu-ray theatrical version is for me. Reasons are the full widescreen viewing, the tidying up of the blue eyes, and the audio is so much better. But one good thing about the different versions is the excuse to own the different versions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I wasn't aware there was such a huge difference between the TV version and what we saw, you know, when we saw it at Penn Cinema here. And uh, what I like about this, it sounds like some of this extra footage, some of the, uh, the extra footage that we talked about, maybe that hour, that hour and a half of footage that wasn't included, they used some of this footage to splice into the TV version of it. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. what it's sounding like mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, but uh, for whatever yeah. it was, David Lynch didn't like it. I know that's why he took his name off. Yeah. Yeah, but it sounds like there's some things that were missing that I'm like, oh, why didn't we see that in a David Lynch movie that I saw? <laughs> you know, so uh, I think that's great. I'm going to have to, I am going to, I feel like I have to go watch this. If I can get a hold of it. Good luck. Yeah, why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't I mean, I just, I can't sit through it again <laughs> well, <laughs> for a long time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, maybe late at night when I can't sleep. There you uh, go. I'll, there you I'll go. cue it up. Um, anything else he's saying, Jim, David, that kind of stick out to you here? I thought it was really cool that he took the time to spell out the differences for yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes. I personally, I'm not, I wouldn't have known, you know what they were because i don't have i'm not going to watch it again <laughs> so yeah uh, well i like the fact that they have him playing the battle set i thought that was kind of cool mm-hmm. uh we kind of see him carry it around right that's about it yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you can see him carry a pug around too yeah <laughs> you're fascinated with him carrying around that I don't pug. Know what it is. dogs in these movies it's just like <laughs> there's such a small thing but right, it right. just kind of cracks me up yeah <laughs> <laughs> the t- the pug must live. The pug. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So let's look, let's move into our next piece of listener feedback. This is from Brent. He says, "Howdy y'all. I'm not aware until recently there was such a thing as a Dune Saga podcast, but I stumbled across while looking for something else and said, "Hmm, this looks intriguing." And indeed it has been. I'm going to try to be brief, but if I fail, apologies. First, let me give all three of you kudos on the podcast itself. I listen to every episode now, except for the most recent one, the Dune episode, and I've enjoyed them even when I found myself disagreeing with you. You guys are obviously fans and have a lot of energy and passion, plus the ability to communicate clearly. Right there, you're ahead of the curve compared to the majority of podcasts I've listened to. So take a bow, gents. You're doing terrific work. I'm extremely conflicted on the subject of the Brian Herbert and Kim J. Anderson books. I'm a big fan of the original Frank Herbert novel and, to a lesser extent, the sequels he wrote. In some ways, I credit I credit Frank Herbert's dude with bridging the gap between childhood and adulthood for me in terms of my reading skills. I was 10 when the movie came out and did not go to see it, so I did what I usually did when I missed out on seeing the movie that I wanted to see. I went and bought the novelization and read it. In this instance, of course, it wasn't a novelization at all, but the actual novel. I had never seen anything that approached reading. I never even approached reading anything of that depth and complexity. 
I'd be completely, I'd be a complete liar if I said I understood a word of it. But it drew me in. And when I finished reading it, I turned back to the beginning and started reading it a second time. I understood it a bit better this time. I probably read it six times or so over the course of the next year. And I got more and more out of it as I progressed. Eventually, I tackled the sequels as well. And while I never reread them compulsively the way I did Dune, I did enjoy them. Fast forward to 2000 when House of Atreides came out. I was totally stoked for that book, and for the most part, it did not disappoint me. I thought Herbert Jr. and Anderson did a very good job of capturing the tone of the originals, but at the same time, I could not help but feel something was missing. And of course, something was missing. Frank Herbert. Sure, he was there in spirit, sort of, but his complexity? Not so much. His voice? Not really. His imagination? Eh, not exactly. For me, there was a ghost of him lingering in those pages, but his soul was absent. That's beautifully worded, by the way. Yeah. Um, I've read, with the exception of The Winds of Dune, Sisterhood of Dune, and the recent Mentats of Dune, each of the new novels as they come out, and I run hot and cold in them, taking on their own merits. They are enjoyable. I understand why fans of the originals would struggle with them, though. The lack of Frank Herbert is a genuinely difficult, generally difficult, is genuinely difficult to deal with. I did not care for the Paul of Dune at all, and while I bought each of the next three novels when they came out, I have not yet been able to bring myself to read them. I will probably use your podcast as an excuse to do so, just so I don't so I don't feel left out. <laughs> well, good. Um, you guys have indicated on your podcast that you feel it's unfair to compare these Herbert and Anderson novels to the Frank Herbert originals. About 25% of me agrees with you, but the other 75 disagrees pretty vehemently. If, if as an author, one wishes to not have his work compared to Dune, then the last thing in the world he should do is to write a prequel to Dune. If he does write a prequel to Dune, then he's got to expect his work is going to be put under the microscope. Is it unfair? Not so as far as I'm concerned, no. There's nothing particular to Dune about that. I say the same as somebody attempting to write new Middle-earth novels. Each time I read the new James Bond novel, I compare it to Ian Fleming. Why, why wouldn't I? If the author wished for me not to read his book that way, he shouldn't have written a James Bond novel. Writing within the Dune universe was always going to be a tough road to hoe for any writer. I don't think Brian and Kevin have done a bad job personally. They probably could have done a better, done a better job, but they would certainly, they certainly could have done worse. Even the worst of their books, unquestionably Paula Dune, in my opinion, has value at times. If nothing else, they reinforce just how incredibly good Frank Herbert's originals were. Uh, in the end, I'm glad to see the Herbert Anderson novels having given their due in the form of an ongoing podcast. Love them, like them, hate them, or ignore them. These books have been popular, and QMOT represent a significant series of science fiction novels. They pale in comparison to the originals, in my opinion, and I think that anyone who chooses to read them first, thereby ensuring that Dune reads, that, that Dune reads Shudder as a sequel to House Carino, is making a serious mistake. Except in the case of doing it for their podcast. That is like doing it for science, which is admirable. But still, they are good books for the most part, and they do deserve to be paid some serious attention. You guys have done just that. It was a job well done, too. I've not always agreed with you, but I've always been entertained by you. 
Can't wait to hear the episodes covering Frank Herbert books. If the episodes about the spinoffs have been this good, the remaining eps ought to be even better. No pressure, uh, Brad. And then he says, P.S. I got a recommendation for a future episode. You guys ought to read the parody novel National Lapoon's Dune, D-O-O-N. I don't remember much about it, but I do know I was 11 or 12 or whatever. I thought it was a height of hilarity. Here's a link. And we can put that in our show notes. I have a copy of that sitting on my shelf over here, and we will probably review that yeah. when we uh, get through the novels as well. Um, di- very diplomatic in the way he's saying stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I thanks for writing, Brent. I, yeah, man. man, this is good. A lot of good stuff here, especially your line about you know uh, there was a ghost of Frank Herbert, but it was missing the yeah. soul. I think that like nails yeah. it, nails it just right. Um, Man, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> for me, I think my main thing is he said here, uh, anyone who chooses us to read them first is, is, you know, making a mistake. I think if you've never been exposed to the universe, I'll agree. You're making, you might, you might be making a mistake, but now that I've read them this way, like it has, like I'm getting used to the flow and I'm sure by the end, like this will be probably the way that I reread them from now on. Yeah. Uh, oh man, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm torn because I feel like having read the prequels, fleshed out, fleshed out the Dune, uh, universe for me in a way that when I got to Frank Herbert's Dune that I understood a little bit more what was going on mm-hmm. than maybe I would have. And Dune, is a pretty heady book to get into. I mean, it's 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 not an easy read. You don't just pick this up for light, you know, Sunday afternoon reading. I mean, you have to you yeah. have to invest time <laughs> into it. And and so if you come come to it with history of Dune and a little bit understanding in the background, even though the tone's different, obviously, and it's not Frank Herbert, and certainly stylistically, it's like it, it, it's it's really it's, it's reading you know every single. Uh, Middle Earth ripoff book, and then you're then going to read Tolkien. I mean, there's there is a significant difference, but I saw extreme value in reading these books first in myself. Uh, Jim, thoughts on that? I agree with you, Scott, completely. And uh, that email was 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 really good and and well written. Um, and I appreciate your position, even though I. Kind of disagree with it, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I'm glad he I, doesn't. I'm glad he doesn't agree with us. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Jim. I didn't mean. To oh, off. definitely, no problem. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I am reading them in the order that I that I am reading the books. I, I've gotten a lot more, I think, out of Frank Herbert's work uh, with the universe being fleshed out by Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you there. That's why I'm saying for me, this is probably how I'll reread them yeah. from now on. What do you think about him saying that, um, that it's unfair? I think we've made the comment in the past that it's unfair for people to say Brian J. Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson are, you know, comparing these to the master, uh, writer of Dune, that that is an unfair comparison. I feel like we've kind of covered this before, yeah. and, and, and especially last listener feedback episode. I know we covered it really heavily. Um, I get what he's saying, and I understand it. Right. And, I, and part of me, like his 25, 75%, 25% of me agrees, 75% of me doesn't. And I think it's mostly just because 
when we're a lot of the stuff that we're responding to with the bad reviews specifically are really bad reviews and they're people who attack it, but they don't attack it as eloquently as he has presented his email. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if like they had, don't, they don't give ideas out. Like he has set them out here in such a, like a nice way. Uh, yeah. He was much, much better thought out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And basically when you boil down these really bad reviews, they're very basic. It's not the exact same thing. And that's why I'm upset. And that's the part of me that's like, yeah. you can't just expect it to be identical and get crazy pissed off. Like you have to understand that it's a different writer. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. At the same time, what he's saying, when he does say that, uh, are you kidding me? People are going to compare him. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah. if you are a fan of the original Dune universe and series, uh, you will be a fan of, uh, it's, I mean, not you'll be a fan, but you will notice some stark differences in writing style, depth, and tone of characters. Mm-hmm. There's just no other way. And, and the way they write stuff and how complex the novels are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a yeah. quick, quick side here. Uh, Roland in the chat room, how would you read the books, uh, again? Uh, if you're going to do it, would you read uh, Herbert first or would you read in this order? Yeah. So we, we can ask, we'll see if he responds, we'll see if he responds to that. Uh, anything else that, uh, that, that Brant's saying that we should talk about? Mm. Nope. Right. Okay. Let's move on then. And we'll come back to that and talk about it. If uh, Roland comments here in just a little bit, uh, David, why don't you take uh, talking about Roland? Uh, <laughs> well, um, Roland did pose a question on the poll for last month and I have this poll in front of me. Yeah. Let's find so, out what the results are. So the question was, would you like to use melange for two? A, see the future slash past, or B, to live longer and general. So what do you think it came in at? I'm going to say in general, live longer. Live longer? How about for you, Jim? Yeah, same, live longer. And that was the winner It <laughs> by 4%. Really? <laughs> so 50, wow. 52%, 52% said live longer, and 48 said to uh, have that pressure, see the future and past. And Philip wrote down at the bottom, why not both? But uh, that's kind of cheating. But, uh, Roland did go on to say that he would like to read it in the order they came out, if I were reading them at all, because that's the way the people read them originally, and they yeah. would have had to read them. So he's a fan of – he's he's kind of lining up with what Brant said. Okay. Hey, yep, to yep. each their own, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, let's move on then. And uh, Jim, why don't you uh, read this email by Ryan White. Ryan White, of course uh, – Winning the copy of the book this month. Hey guys, the live recording chat room experience was awesome. I had so much fun listening to things as they happened and also talking with others in the chat room about what seemed to be random topics to you because where of where you were in the recording. Uh, we were extrapolating data and going into more depth on things where you couldn't because you have bog things down (laughs) it would have bogged things down sorry about that the chat would be great for anyone especially those with attention issues i just listened to it again tonight and noticed some things some things i missed because of the chat room i am looking forward to the live recording of the discussion of the lynch movie and I will be more than likely be lynching it as much as i can (laughs) oh man that pun We'll get old during the recording. Go ahead and embrace it. It won't go away. Good luck with it. 
I'm burning through the books on the children of Dune now since finishing Dune, Paul, Messiah, and Winds after finishing Sisterhood and Mentats. I have read all the other Brian and KJA books and the original Franks already and am having a hard time reading anything else. I may have to go back and catch up with you. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit obsessed, huh? No, that's yeah. fine. Um, you know, he, we did have a great chat room. I think maybe we, the chat room's a bit light tonight, but it could just be because we were, it was the way we publicized it, or maybe we didn't give it yeah, much publicity. We, cha- we, we changed our evening, so it's yeah, possible. That's, that's possible they're thinking tomorrow night. So yeah. we'll try to do better at but we did have a, they had a while, there were like, I don't know, six, eight people in there, and people were just kind of like yeah. chatting back and forth, and, uh, I missed half what was going on in the yeah, chat room. Yeah, but it looked, it looked great. I've heard from several people that they really enjoyed the Yeah, time. so we will definitely do that, and if you have not not join our chat room. We'll let you know. We'll, we'll publicize it on Facebook and the Twitter, and we'll put posts out that'll let you know when this uh, our next recording time is. So, and we'll try to stick to it. Maybe right. we can decide that before we wrap things up here. Yeah, well, and there's later. a calendar on the website that shows absolutely. you what day and what time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our next thing is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Lynching it. We did not talk about lynching David Lynch's movie, did we? No, but it's <laughs> a great. <laughs> I don't know how we missed that. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. David did give that impression. Nah, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true. It was. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been very favorable <laughs> to yeah. the movie. All right, so uh, all right, our next our next uh, email comes from Mattias. We could mis- be mispronouncing your name, so please forgive us if I pronounced it incorrectly. But he writes. Hey, you guys, since you're watching the Dune 84 movie, I thought I would recommend the fan edit of the movie called Dune, the alternate, the alternative edition redux by Spice Driver. Um, so the, so this is what I said. As you might guess, it's unofficial edit of the original movie. It's an incredibly ambitious project that aims to combat much of the criticisms the movie received, as well as improve on the flow of the narrative to flesh things out and make it easier to understand, plus about a million other improvements. As a result, it has become a baffling three-hour-long movie and has been generally dubbed as the definitive version of the movie by those who have seen it. Just a little friendly tip, here are the links. So here are the links to, and we'll, I guess we can put them in our show notes, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's a link to the project itself with a comprehensive list of changes, reviews, and whatnot. And there's a link to it. And as for the acquisition, I don't know if it's a bit hush-hush about these things. This is technically piracy, although it's uploaded by the author himself. Do whatever you want to. Like I said, just a friendly tip. Uh, so it's a, there's a torrent. Uh, link to it basically as for the original movie itself i personally liked it despite its flaws they got the aesthetics right totally right casting was great its epicness unmatched and the soundtrack by toto is amazing but is indeed a lot to take in it's sort of the complete opposite when it comes to the miniseries the narrative was way easier to grasp but it looked pretty cheap like it was all recorded on a soundstage some odd casting choices as well. And don't get me started on the costumes. The follow-up miniseries Children of Dune got a lot better, though. And I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, in future podcasts, it would be interesting to hear you guys compare the pros and cons of the 84 movie with the miniseries, as well as some input on what you think is in, lies in store for Dune in the future. For instance, should it become a TV series like Game of Thrones or a trilogy of movies like Lord of the Rings? Sorry how this turned out rather lengthy. When I'm passionate about something, I'm out of control. Keep up the good work. Um, Balakifa. Balakifa. Oh, thank you. Balakifa. Sorry. 
Did I express pronounce that yet? I didn't get it right, did I? I think it's, that's the saying. Do they say that in the book? They say it in the movie. Okay, Balakifa. Balakifa. Yeah. Uh, okay, kind regards, Matthias. So thank you for writing in. I, I, I do have to actually, I know you're not going to sit through the movie, but I wouldn't mind seeing this fan edit. And it sounds yeah. like what he's what they've done is taken probably some of the TV footage and spliced it in with the regular movie footage. Yeah, or maybe there's stuff on that DV, on the DVD like uh, Jim was talking about. Yeah, and they just yeah, re-edited it, it re-edited it back in. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I I like I like what we had to say. You know, um, that might get me interested in seeing it, but. Maybe if we give it another five, ten years. So <laughs> <laughs> you actually watch it? <laughs> yeah, so I watch it. Or if I do it with a group of people, I'm not going to do it on my own. Yeah, so you're saying if I con you over some uh, Friday night with food, maybe yeah. maybe you'll come yeah. watch it with me. What's that? Huh? Food? Yeah, food? Food? <laughs> huh? What? Hey. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let's talk. The one thing he didn't mention, should this become a mini, uh, a series like Game of Thrones or become a three part like Lord of the Rings? I love this question, but I'll, I'll let you guys talk first. Yeah, yeah. Jim, what do you think? No, I would not want to see it as a TV series. Really? First of all, I'm too busy to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> if you stop doing a podcast Secondly, every night of the week. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But, um,. Uh, it would. I would just hate to see a group of idiotic writers get a hold of it and rip it apart. Mm. Now, I get what you're saying, but look at Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead and like how they're doing things, adapting things for TV. And although I'm not fans of the source material, I keep hearing that it's stuff that people who are fans of the source material can get right behind and not just get behind, like like go gaga for yeah i uh, well you know i would i suppose i would give it a chance but um i i remember last year under the dome yeah how it 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 really went downhill Mm. it started out very strong the first four or five episodes were incredible and then the writing just got weak and i'm i would hate to see that happen with something like dune or a property like that that I would care about. Yeah. They belong in books. You know, just like Star Trek belongs on television, it doesn't do well in the theaters, uh, Dune belongs in books. Yeah. See, uh, man, I would love to see this. Uh, Roland would love to see it as a miniseries, but I feel like the miniseries has been done. But I wouldn't mind seeing this as maybe a 10-episode-per-season um, look at it, and where they take... Uh, and, and I think they should take it as the Frank Herbert books yeah. and they can use like, like, like Peter Jackson did this with Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, right? Hobbit was originally two, two, two movies. He split into three because he pulled in other source material to kind of flesh it out. And he could use the Kevin J. Anderson, Brian Herbert books to kind of flesh out the story a little bit, give background to information that maybe was maybe kind of glossed over in the novel and really capture the core of Frank Herbert's writing. You could get, what are there? Six, there's at least six books. You could get at least six seasons out of, out of this. And if it was done in the way that the writers are tackling the game of Thrones series or the walking dead series with a focus on the drama, the political intrigue, um, the, the ecological themes, 
I think you could really do this well. Yeah. You get the right person, yeah. and it's, it's going to have to be done by something other than a network show. It's going to be that need to be done by someone like AMC or mm-hmm. TNT or, or BBC. Uh, BBC even does something like it. Uh, although I'm it's going to BBC- cost a lot of money, though. It's going to cost a lot of money. Well, yeah, but look at look at um, <laughs> look at uh, The Walking Dead. I mean, that move, that that show costs tons of makeup money. So yeah, I, but I see I see what you're saying, Jim. Though I, I mean, I do. It's I, in a hypothetical world. I, I'm in agreement with Scott. It would have to be a short season, and each season should represent a book. And uh, and well, and, and like Game of Thrones. I mean, Game of Thrones are throwing money into it. I mean, if they put the budget they put into Game of Thrones into Dune, yeah, I think it would. I think it would come off well. Yeah, and they could do flashbacks to the house books. You know, like they it, could to, to, fill to, in, to, to fill in to fill in the gaps, yeah. right? Again, yeah. just to kind of flesh out. Um, Roland didn't mean a TV series, not a oh, miniseries. Oh, okay. so. Yeah, but yeah. So I don't know that. Uh, some good thoughts. Um, I don't really see this as a movie. I, I think the movie has been done, and it just doesn't translate well into. The I don't movie. think it's going to work as a movie. Yeah. I don't. I. I don't. Th- I especially think it doesn't work with the movie with the way that Dune ends. I think that if you somehow you can't like you went halfway into Dune Messiah or something like right. that, like it might make more sense. But it does. As a book, it has a great climactic ending, but as a movie, you're just kind of like, oh. Well, which is why I think it might work as a 10-episode uh, you know, season because, okay, we get a resolution next season or the continuation right. next season. Right, and Doom Messiah is a great follow-up. Yeah, so. so. All right, well, thank you for writing in and eliciting this great discussion here. <laughs> um, Jim, why don't you take this next one by Maxwell? Okay, from Max Nolan. Hey guys, my name is Maxwell Nolan. I'm a 22-year-old American illustrator and fairly new to reading the Dune series. I watched the sci-fi adaptations a lot and when I was growing up, but I am finally getting around to reading them. Enjoying your podcast and keep it up, Maxwell. And he includes uh, some uh, links. Yeah. yeah, I checked these out. He's got some Dune artwork at these links. Oh, really? So he's got a Tumblr and a DeviantArt page. Did you ask him if we could post Facebook? any in the Facebook page? Uh, I didn't, but I will uh, definitely post the links at least in the in the if show notes. If we could put the links in the show notes, that would be great yeah. because that would give people an idea to see his art. So maybe a sample of some of his artwork if we can get permission to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll write it. I think it would be great. So it sounds like something that is he's into it. And I'm glad, you know, again, miniseries kind of drawing him into actually reading the books. Uh, which is kind of cool, which is not all that different than the David Lynch film drawing you, Jim, into reading the books. Right. It's the next generation, Jim. That's right. That's right. Jim, the next generation. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll take the next one. Okay, this one's from Mark Bags, and he says, I love the Dune Saga podcast. Did you stop doing the Dune in 10 part? I didn't get it from the last prequel. I read these books a while ago, and I don't want to reread all of them, which made the Dune and Ten perfect for me. Please start doing Dune and Ten again, or you can recap a little more in the regular podcast. Thanks for doing the podcast any which way you go, Mark. So, yeah. So, David, tell him, why <laughs> didn't we get a Dune and Ten for House Carino? Uh, I was overwhelmed <laughs> by the story. Dune and Ten is a, is a project. Um, it takes time. Uh it's something that I 
fear doing, and then I struggle <laughs> through it. And then when I'm done, I'm really happy. <laughs> and then I'm especially happy to hear how many of you guys really enjoy uh, Dune and Ten, um, which really makes me feel good for putting that much work into it. But with House Carino, uh, there was many factors, um, illness, and then just time, and then it was just like pressure on myself. <laughs> right. And yeah. I, I just, I couldn't do it. Uh, we said this last time, if anyone would like to try and tackle it, I would... We will include it and put it up. Uh, we will. I will record it. I will edit it down to make sure that it flows properly and all that stuff. And then, if the writing process is the is the hard part. The re- yeah. recording is is easy. I can do that. No problem. Yeah. So if you want to write it out and send it to David or say send it to us at the Dune Saga Podcast at gmail dot com, yeah. David would be happy to read it. Right. But we were back with Dune and Ten for Dune. That's right. So uh, it will continue on from here on out. And um. Hoping that I won't succumb to that kind of pressure for myself again and, and miss another one. Yeah. So. Yep. So uh, David Burns, right? Just listened to the Dune in, to do the Dune in ten and had to say, "Well done, guys, for being able to condense so much into so little time. You all deserve some sort of medal by the time you've had to do." Uh, by the time you have to do God Emperor. <laughs> uh, and again, we got to say kudos goes to David. He's the one that does the Dune in 10. Dave, Jim and I just kind of sit back and kick back and let him tackle. So, <laughs> well, uh, thanks, guys. No, we, do, we do appreciate that. I, I, uh, I have to say I draw heavily from uh, Jim keeps very detailed notes of every chapter. Color coded for storylines. Right. I, I use that quite often. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Uh, Jim, go ahead. Next one. Okay. Dave writes, gentlemen, excellent show. I just started reading the series for the first time a few weeks ago and just wrapped up with Children of Dune. Have only to read the original three so far. Now that I have found your podcast, I think I'm going to jump in and follow along with wherever you are from this point forward. Love the Diner podcast as well. Dave Carrick. Well, thank you, Dave, for uh, listening to both the Diner and uh, and the Dune Saga podcast. I'm glad that you are joining us on the ride. Yeah, yeah it's so. good to have you here. Uh, for those who may not know, Scott does a podcast called the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and yep. every now and then Jim and I pop up on there. Yep, and absolutely. Throw our two cents in. Jim was on it last night discussing: Is Batman really a superhero? I can't wait to hear that. I, one. Actually, him and I were kind of sitting back and letting two of the other uh, hosts talk about it because they were much more intelligent than <laughs> we were, right, Jim? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a good good discussion. But yeah. uh, David, do you yes. want to read this next one? This is by Brad. Yeah, Brent writes again. He says, um, this was a good episode, but parts of it really turned me off. Uh, in, in, and he's referring to our episode on, uh, Dune. Okay. The original Dune. In no way should Dune be held accountable for the prequel novels. If Duncan Idaho and House Harkonnen is inconsistent with Duncan Idaho and Dune, then is, then it is not due to anything other than Herbert and Anderson getting the character wrong in their books. You guys talked about that and several other points of plot and or character as though Frank Herbert had somehow failed to do the prequel novels justice. In my opinion, that is an extraordinarily wrong-headed way to look at Dune, and I had a difficult time finishing the episode as a result. I'm glad I did, though. There was plenty of good conversation, especially regarding some of the stuff in the appendices. The problem with reading the books in order of the stories chronologically in order of the story's chronology, 
is that doing so weighs the prequels unfairly and gives them weight and significance that they have not earned. The series began with Frank Herbert and Herbert and, and Herbert Anderson are merely riding his coattails. They are doing so fairly capably, but still pretending that they are doing anything more than harvesting crops out of somebody else's garden is a major misreading of the entire series. The worst is yet to co- the worst is yet to come. Unfortunately, despite the occasional inconsistencies, I enjoyed both the Legends of Dune and Prelude to Dune series. Paul of Dune, on the other hand, is a terrible novel, and it's especially terrible in terms of the way it fits, or in this case, doesn't fit. In with Dune and Dune Messiah, I don't know if I'm re- if I'm. I don't know if I'm dreading listening to those episodes or or if I'm ghoulishly looking forward to them. A little of both, I guess. So let's take a moment to respond to this. Now, I, he had left this comment on the website, uh, and so anyone else can also respond to it there if they agree or disagree with what he had to say. And I I had responded to him personally on there, and uh, I have his response to my response, but I think that we'll handle yeah. it as the three of us here. You know, he, he, he makes a good point, right? Because we are coming at Dune, um, and especially for those of us that really never got into the Dune series, we – we are coming at it at an angle through the lens of Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert. So when we jump into Frank Herbert's world after being immersed for six novels into Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert, mm-hmm. we, of course, are going to be looking at it saying, whoa, this character is different than what I've experienced, um, the feel, the flow. And, I mean, he's right. Frank Herbert developed these characters first and – and they are different. The tone has shifted. It doesn't make what Frank Herbert did. Uh, Frank, I mean, it doesn't make, for me, it doesn't make what Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert did wrong. It just makes it different. And maybe I connected with the characters differently than I did in Dune because I grew to love them and the way they were handled and dealt with and developed is much more than what, I mean, I mean, Duncan Idaho very briefly developed in, not really developed all that much in the Dune book, but we have entire storylines in the, in the, in the house books that really kind of focus on them. Mm-hmm. So for me, I understand what he's saying because I'm coming at it from the lens of the six books. And if you read, if you read them in the order they were released, which is what Roland was saying in the chat room, you read it in the order it was released, then we would have had a slightly different perspective on it. And there's nothing I can, it's like Roland said about when he made the comments about the Lynch movie and the comments say, you know, once you have seen and read these prequels, you can't go into Dune without making some sort of comparison. If you're reading them chronologically, you are going to be a slight, you're going to be at a disadvantage with viewing it maybe the way Frank Herbert intended them to be viewed. Right. I, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I think, for me, part of this experience is taking in the story as a whole and not necessarily, I mean, we are doing it, but in my mind, like deep down, I'm not necessarily being like, this is one author compared to another. I'm just, this is one big story and I'm taking in all of the story, you know, as it happens. And it's just, you know, different kind of writing styles in the story. Um, I forget my exact response to him. Do you have it up? I do. Uh, maybe you want to. Um, wanna I, I can I can certainly do that. Uh, before I go into that, Jim, any comments from your end about this? Uh, he raises a fair point. Yeah, uh, I, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is something I just want to add in. I think I say it in his. I like that we've gotten some negative feedback, uh, both last time and now. I mean, enough, no one's ever, no one's like making fun of us or anything. No. But to me, that means you're listening. And that means a mm-hmm. lot to me, even if you're saying, you know, uh, you're, you're doing something that I disagree with. Right. And we're, and we are going to view this through a different lens just because we chose, as you, I think you said in an earlier email, you chose to, we chose to tackle these in a chronological way. And that is going to color the way we paint these universe. Mm-hmm. So because these mm-hmm. six books come prior, as I said before, when we go into Frank Herbert, they're going to be different. Yeah. They just are. So, David, you responded to this in some in a comment. I'm going to actually read your feedback because yeah. you don't have it in front of you. I hear what you're saying, and I'm unsure uh, we'll address this in more depth in the next Lister Feedback episode, although we did, uh, show we record. But I wanted to respond now as well. I completely hear what you're saying about the effects of reading the books in this order. It bugs me, too. It um, It really... It really used to run me the wrong way to shore. However, in deciding to go down this path chronologically, it's opening up a lot of interesting doors and insight. I know for me, I feel like I know the characters more deeply. You're not the first person to bring up that you felt that we were holding Dune up to the standards of the prequels when we should have been the other way around. I don't think this is how we meant to come across. Moreover, we're trying to point out the differences that are there and to fill in the gaps the best we could. I'm, I'm gaining... I'm gaining a greater love for the Herbert Anderson books as we read along. And as a result, I know I'm starting to hold them at a higher level than I used to, though. Not quite up to the original, mind you, but also not as far as below them as I used to. And as to why we chose to read them chronologically, well, number one, you really need the prequels, at least the Legends of Dunes book for the last two to make any sense. And two, people rarely... Take a look at the series this way. It makes it a different experiment because we're putting the new and old up against each other in an unconventional way. And as a result, you'll get those times when there are gaps to be addressed. I can only imagine the mind frell when we get to Hunters of Dune. Ha, ha, ha. Thanks so much, Brant, for coming along this journey with us. Your support and contribution and thoughts mean a lot to us, especially when we're being called out. That means you're really listening, as you said, David. So, uh, and then he responded to that and he said, hopefully my comments did not come across as being too negative. I think reading the novels in that order is an interesting experiment if it, abs- if absolutely nothing else. So, just in case I didn't get the point across in the various bits of feedback I've sent, I think the podcast is highly worthwhile, a highly worthwhile thing and that you guys are doing a marvelous job with it. It, it's just that for me, it wasn't, it was, an experiment that was somewhat doomed to failure from the outset. Does that mean it wasn't worth doing? Absolutely not. When the prequels have worked, they've worked pretty well. For example, I thought that both Hunters of Dune and Sandworms of Dune were pretty solid, all the more so because of the work Herbert Anderson had put into Legends of Dune trilogy. It is not as good as Frank... Is it as good as Frank Herbert? No. But it's good on its own right, and that's worth praising. So, yeah. I mean, I think that in the end, we're kind of we're on a mutual level, you know, uh, and I, I'm glad that he wrote in uh, about that there. I know that other people have brought that up in, in different ways, and, it, you know, it's we're doing this, and it's different, and I think that's one of the reasons we're doing it, because it's so different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's some – is there some uh, some stuff going on in the chat room there? Uh, just that uh, Ryan White joined us, just, okay. joined, just joined in, so uh, welcome, Ryan, to the show. Um, 
Well, we we did get some uh, other feedback on iTunes. Wanted to share some of the reviews that came out in that, and then I think we're going to move toward wrapping up this uh, long listener feedback, and that's fine. So, uh, Jim, I'll take the first one, and you can take the second one, okay? All right. All right. So uh, this came in from uh, um, Admiral Marius, I think, is the guy. He said, a fantastic trek through the Dune universe, he writes, giving us five stars, so thank you for that. Remember reading Dune? Remember reading all the Dune books? Remember reading all the new Dune books? No? Well, Scott, Jim, and Dave will guide you from Seleucus Secundus to Arrakis to Catan and all the other, to Catan, to Catan and all the other places in between as they read all the Dune books in chronological order and then discuss them in great detail. The good, the bad, the puzzling are all fodder for their spirited, respectful, yet not rose-tainted tinted view of one of the... Pre- premier universes in the world of science fiction. So thank you for that. We really do appreciate that sort of feedback and glad that you're listening and joining us and enjoying our romp through the universe. I know that I am thoroughly enjoying this. I'm glad that, uh, that David, you twisted my arm and you're doing this. It was so hard to get you involved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not really. Um, Jim, go ahead. Okay. And then I know, yeah, I know who Admiral Marius is, and I just want to say thanks, Rick. Very much appreciated. Yeah, All right. Sure. Uh, and then Holy Khakis from the United States of America writes, Finally, a podcast with Melange, rating five stars. <laughs> there haven't been Dune podcasts, so when I found this one, I knew I had to at least give it a try. I don't know anyone else who likes Dune. So there is no one around to bounce ideas off of or to discuss the Dune universe. I was not disappointed by the podcast. The three guys have just finished reading the book before doing the podcast, and since they are now covering one book a month, there is plenty of time to catch up with them. If you like Dune, you should definitely give this podcast a try. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) definitely give give us a try uh oh we're glad that you are joining us here for this journey and thanks for the uh, kind words and the great review and you know it is one book a month and that's intentional because it takes me about a month to get through the book uh going through it and it seems it seems doable and gives some breathing time in it and gives people a chance to do a feedback and i would love to do uh, a podcast a little bit more often but um, and, by, this, and by the way, that is, uh, Jim, that, uh, oh, holy khakis is Ryan White. So Ryan, thank you for that review. You know, he, he's <laughs> yeah. in the chat room, said that I, that's him. So <laughs> way to so, go, Ryan. Cool. Yeah. So we, uh, we appreciate you leaving that. Another him. big congratulations to Ryan. Uh, he just joined us in the chat, but Ryan, you were our winner this month. So yeah. you won, uh, the hardcover copy of Dune Messiah. So I'll be in touch with you via email. Yeah. You can, uh, and maybe if you can send us your email address, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so every, every month we have been having a question go out and right. we, we covered earlier the results from, uh, this last, this last question go through and uh, the one for this month was inspired by this, this quote from princess Irulan. You have read that Moadib had no playmates, his own age on Caladan. The dangers were too great, but Moadib did have wonderful companion teachers. There was Gurney Halleck, the troubadour warrior, 
the tro- troubadour warrior. You will sing some of Gurney's songs as you read along in this book. There was Tufer Howitt, the old Mentat master of assassins, who struck fear even into the heart of the Fadashah Emperor. There was there was Duncan Idaho, the swordmaster of Guinez, Dr. Wellington Yu, a name black in treachery, but bright in knowledge. The Lady Jessica, who guided her son in the Benny Desert way, and of course, the Duke Lado, whose qualities as a father have been long overlooked. And this is from A Child's History of Moadi by the Princess Irland. So, the question for this month is, who would you rather have as a sidekick going on your adventure? Gurney Halleck, Thufer Howitt, Duncan Idaho, Yui Wellington, the Lady Jessica, or Duke Lado? And if anyone takes Yui with them, they're just asking for betrayal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, curse your inevitable betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> betrayal. Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, I, I I know who I'd pick, and it would not be Yui Wellington. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to put this up in a poll on the site? Yeah, I'll put it up a poll. It'll be um, – we'll post it on Twitter. We'll post it on Facebook. But it'll also be – if you're having trouble finding this post, it'll be on uh, the bottom of the post for the main episode for David Lynch and the uh, listener feedback for – that you're currently listening to now. So, uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got to – I believe that's about it. Do we have anything else we need to add to this? That's a, that's a long list of feedback. We had a yeah. lot of great feedback. Folks, you have no idea. We appreciate your feedback so much. It's so important for us to get your feedback and to hear from you, and it totally makes uh, – hearing from you, even when you disagree with us, we want to hear that. It's great, and yeah. many times we concede the point. So yeah, yeah if so. you see if if you see BS, call BS. Right, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. We want to be called on the carpet when we're wrong, or when we say something. You know, we're in the heat of the moment. We're talking off the cuff. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we say things, and we we do think through these. But sometimes, uh, a different perspective is good to hear. We right. we definitely want that. Right, that's the only way you grow. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us for next time, there's many ways that you can do it. Uh, we'd love to include your feedback in our next listener feedback show. Um, you can email us at right. dunesagapodcast at gmail.com. You can comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash dunesagapodcast. Send us a tweet at dunesagapodcast. You can comment on dunesagapodcast.com on any of the posts there. Uh and we monitor all of that stuff. We usually respond fairly quickly as well. Right, right. Um, but you can enter in all those ways. Now, this month we're also running a, another competition for another book. We've got a hardcover copy of Children of Dune. Uh, it's the 80s version. And um, in order to be entered... Does it have a good electric guitar soundtrack in the background? It's standard electric Stand- guitar. Okay, nice, yeah, nice. soundtrack in the background. Right. <laughs> In order to, to be into the drawing, all you need to do is send feedback for our next episode for Paul of Dune. Uh, the feedback can be about Paul of Dune, about one, any, anything in the Dune universe that we've talked about or we're going to talk about that you would like to comment on and like to hear us talk about. And your name will be put into the drawing, and we will tell you on the next listener feedback yeah, show. Absolutely. Uh, so check the, um, the website for the calendar to know when that comes out. And there's one other way that you can get a hold of us, and that is by going to a one of the app stores and downloading our app. That's right. That's right, B. And you can actually, if you want to call in and leave feedback, you can do straight through into the app. And uh, 
And so the app is called, once again, is the Zog Pod Collective, Z-O-G-P-O-D Collective. And, uh, and you can download it for, it's free in iTunes right now. I'm not sure how much longer it'll be there. Uh, and it's free, um, cause it was supposed to actually cost a little bit when it came out, but they released it free. And I'm fine with that cause it gets it out there into your hands. And all you have to do is hit a button to call us. If you do email me through it, I'll get the email either way and we'll get it to the appropriate channels. I think it goes to podcasting guru, which is dot, you know, at gmail.com, which is my, which is my, one of my other shows. Uh, it's a collection of podcasts, not just Dune podcasts, but my many other podcasts as well. But you can easily listen to it and respond and interact with us through that app as well. And while we're on the topic of such things, can you give us the number for? Oh, you're going to make me stroll back up to the top of the show notes to find it. I don't have my eyes. It is, (laughs) if you want to call us without going to the app, it is 1-260-577-CHAT. That's 1-260-577-2428. Great, great. So once again for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Halud clear the path before you.